sports yak. Oh, One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome back, film fans and Drew Douglas to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posenov. As always, joining me across the internet and now in a different city and a different time zone, Drew Douglas. That was like a roller coaster. It just kept getting higher <laughs> and higher. And I was just waiting for that, you know, the big drop. What was going to happen? And it was just actually me laughing. Uh, I, I it's it was great because I was looking at our rundown and I decided to start as if I was being scared by something because we've got a few scary things to talk about. Well, first off, uh, as I mentioned, Drew, so you're now in a different city and different time zone. How does it feel? You're all moved in. We are moved in. Yeah, uh, I'm just you know one unemployed man with two hands oh. trying to stay busy. So if anyone's able to give you a job, you're looking. Or just give me loads of money, you know? Or we we just need to get a good uh, Patreon support for the show. <laughs> We've never done that. And I, I, I've always said I feel guilty making you pay to listen to us. But hey, if you want to give us money, by all means, now what? is the time. Yeah, now is the time, that's for sure. So... Uh, things are going well, I assume. You've been able to go and see at least one movie. We'll talk about that here later in detail, but you've been able to see one movie in the theater uh, since getting to the new city. And um, how was that? Because it was just you and, and your wife, Lexi, and you were able to basically get a private screening, right? I've never been able to see a movie in theaters and it's just been me alone or me and whoever I was with. And we saw a quiet place too. Hashtag movies are back. Ooh. And uh, we went to like a noon screening a couple days after it came out. And for a long time, I kept checking the seats because it was like you had to pick your seats at this Regal, at the downtown Regal in Knoxville. And it was just me and my wife. And I, I said, this is the time I'm going to finally, you know, accomplish something that I've been wanting to do for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Last minute, two guys got a couple seats, like six rows in front of us. But uh, it was basically just a private screening though. Cause you wouldn't, they were quiet, which was really nice. It was one of the nicest theater experiences I've had in a long time. Well, and a breath of fresh air, considering that anytime you went to the Regal in Springfield, it was almost the complete opposite experience. Yeah, that was <laughs> anything that could happen would happen at that Regal, which is a shame because that was a, I always thought that was a nice theater, but it was just the people it attracted for whatever reason were just um, lunatics. <laughs> it's funny because my my girlfriend recently said about my two recent theater uh, experiences there. She's like, why is it you always get the good show times and like no one's acting up? And yet, anytime I go, it seems like the world's on fire. I feel like more often than not, it's just complete mayhem there <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, it's like my favorite My favorite was where uh, we, her and I saw Bumblebee there. And there, there was uh, literally like two or three kids kicking her on a popcorn bucket. In the Good Lord. <laughs> Now, we saw Tenet there last year. This is riveting podcast material. But <laughs> the last time I saw a Regal film at that downtown theater in Spring, Missouri, um, was when we saw Tenet. And that was a good experience because mm. it was during this basically, I don't know, several months into the pandemic. Everyone was scared to the, go to the theaters and somehow Christopher Nolan conned us into doing that. <laughs> and we did it. And it was nice because there wasn't a lot of people there. But, I mean, that was a theater where people lit up a joint during alien um covenant so we had this weird movie 
uh, playing the flute, Michael Fassbender, and then just <laughs> marijuana wafting through the auditorium, which is maybe why I enjoyed the movie so much, was just oh. the secondhand high. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of weird stuff in that theater. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of weird to a degree when those weird things happen. I, I kind of like it. Sometimes it adds to the experience, but yeah, um, it's uh, night and day difference, but especially hearing... What's cool is in Knoxville, that is the headquarters for Regal. I had no idea until you told me that. I didn't either until we got here. And I was like, why is every theater Regal? <laughs> and there's a couple AMCs, but it's the bulk of them are, are Regal. And they're nice theaters too. Well, let's tag Regal in all of our posts following this. Get their attention big time and say, uh, you save the movies for you. And then that will be your way to get a job with them. That's my way in until they listen to us. And then they're going to go, this guy's a lunatic. That'd be great. And then we'll soon be sponsored by Regal. It would be a good perk. And again, if anybody wants to give us money or just pay us to do this, um, we're not going to say no. Or, or slide a free Regal pass your way. We've got quite the episode for you. Uh, we ended up going on short hiatus, but because of that reason, we will have enough material to last for the next 24 hours. This episode will last. 24 hours. So strap in. We are going to do a loves hates on some pop culture news. We've got three big news items to talk about. And then we will talk about four movies that are all except for one in theaters right now. And most of them are also streaming in addition to that. We'll also end this with the last thing, talking about the last thing that Drew and I watched or listened to or read. And that's it. So let's go ahead and dive right into it with Love's Hates on some pop culture news. First and foremost, this is a big one. We, if if you're an avid listener to us here, you know that we love Sly Stallone and Rocky. So Rocky Four Director's Cut is getting a release date as of now, November 11th of this year. Love's Hates this. I'm going to say loves, but this is such a mystery what is this director's cut? Because <laughs> there's been really no clarity other than Stallone has said several things are missing, several things are added. We get more fighting, but we don't get Polly's robot. That's basically what he said. So I'm like, what? Is this really going to be that different? I'm curious. That It's piqued my interest just because of it was almost among the height of we get the Snyder cut and then the announcement of that. And then we end up hearing all this buzz that kind of came out of nowhere for the air cut. And then almost immediately following on the coattails of those two things, we have the announcement of Rocky for director's cut that it was such a strange movie. And also the choice of saying it's getting a director's cut. Um, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's so it's odd. Like, I wonder why, like why this movie, why now I also have to say loves just because I'm, interested i am more than intrigued but more importantly the more rocky the better if we get to see some stuff we have never seen i'm down for that the the big thing is this is in honor of the movie's 35th anniversary which it came out in 1985 november 1985 okay i i guess coming along with this movie is a full-length behind-the-scenes documentary about how they re-edited this movie okay. rocky four it's called Keep Punching the Present Meets the Past. So that's interesting. That's something I would watch. Mm. I mean, I'm going to watch this no matter what. Stallone's mm. never been shy about milking Rocky. <laughs> and as you said, if we can get more uh, footage that we've never seen, I'm all, I'm all on board. Well, and also, spoiler alert, so give yourself about 10 seconds and then um, and you may want to pause this or skip ahead by a minute. Uh, but spoiler alert, on what happens in Rocky Four, I wonder if it has anything to do with Apollo's death in terms of just like the buildup to Creed Three coming out. Do you think it also has any kind of bearing, especially with the keep punching behind the scenes? Or no? I don't know. I do know one of the things he said is the Apollo fight with Drago. There's going to be more footage to that, but uh, it it can't fundamentally change it. Yeah, because. Either way, he's going to die. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by it. Do we need a director's cut of this film? Probably not, because 
it's already lean and mean as it is. But yeah, I, I'm pretty stoked. I've been itching to rewatch all these again because of the Creed three news. Mm-hmm. Initially, I got I got to be honest with you, the lack. So Stallone's not going to be in Creed three. He's already said that he he's done, which bummed me out. Yeah. Disappointed me, and, it, and honestly, I was like, yeah, I would obviously go see that film. My Michael B. Jordan directing it, I think is is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it took kind of the wind out of my sails getting stoked for that film. And then we find out that an actor that we love has been added allegedly as the big bad that Creed's going to fight. Mm-hmm. And it got me super stoked. And that actor's name. Jonathan Majors, baby. The fantastic oh. Jonathan Majors. So my hype dipped down and then it shot right back up yeah. because of that news. Yeah, that's honestly, that's super exciting. I, I love some Jonathan Majors. I can't wait to see this. And I'm more intrigued to find out more about Majors. And I know the big theory, and it's just a theory, but did Clubber Lang end up having a child? (laughs) That'd be awesome. But uh, do we need to do that two times in a row? And he also has nothing to do with Creed. Yeah, that's that's eh. my concern. I'd rather have something brand new, but yeah, you have to find an angle of why it's important for Creed to be fighting whoever he's fighting. Mm-hmm. No. I do want to say, man, I've been wanting to watch that second one again. I know initially we were kind of soft on that movie, but I actually yeah. think it's underrated. I think, yeah. it, you know, with the passing of time and thinking about it and rewatching it a few times, I think it's a better than we initially gave it credit for. Yeah, and also, I don't know why, it's funny that you bring this up, but it was like I'll randomly think of things while pumping. And I thought of the poster for some reason. It's just like seeing MBJ so jacked on the poster gets me pumped to pump. Man, that, that the, I think it was the first teaser is just absolutely badass. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good, I think that's a good one. I think it's underrated. It's solid. I, I agree. I'd like to return to it. So I'm, I'm definitely itching to, get back to the creeds, but may do like a Rocky rewatch soon because that would be great. Do do all of those and then lead up to Creed 1 and 2 right before Creed 3 comes out. I may try to build up and rewatch all the Rockies and then get to the fourth one. Wait, actually, I'm, I think I will watch the fourth one, then watch the director's cut when it comes out and do those back to back just to see what the differences are. It's. Uh, I mean, when, you, when, when your teases were deleting taking out a robot maid. I, that's <laughs> not necessarily something that gets me hyped because I'm like, that doesn't change the story. Yeah. Uh, and I also think that's, I kind of like, it's so goofy, but I like it. It's, it's a, it is a product of its time. So mm-hmm. as stupid as that is, like that was, at the time, that was probably like really cool. Yeah, and it's kind of weirdly enough. There's kind of a re reemergence of that with ro- kind of with all of the Tesla news and everything that's going on. Now that I'm thinking of it, but it's kind of like fashion, where it's back in style, maybe. Yeah, they gotta take over the world. <laughs> we still get more Rocky, and hopefully a lot of different stuff, but especially the behind the scenes. That sounds to me like the best part. I'm excited to see that and Rocky for director's cut. Let's move on to the second piece of love hates pop culture news in the new trailer and the final trailer just dropped for Chris Pratt's the tomorrow war, which will come out on July 2nd. That is the 4th of July weekend on Amazon prime. This is the final look what do you think Drew loves hates for the Tomorrow War? Man, this this looks terrible. <laughs> I think I'm going to say hates. I say that knowing full well I'm going to sit down and watch it, but this looks. I think it looks awful. Yeah, I will 100% watch this movie. I kind of want to watch it in the theater, but that's not going to happen because it's just exclusive to Amazon Prime. At least they didn't announce anything with it coming to theaters, so. The here's the thing. This movie, the the first teaser, I'm like, okay, interesting. Don't really understand what's going on with these aliens or this invasion. Second trailer, 
All right, I'm glad they're not revealing too much about the aliens. This time, in the first like 30 seconds when the aliens are revealing, these these look stupid. These look awful. I am not, this totally took me out of it. And especially toward the end when they're flying, they're like running, they jump oh, off a cliff and they fly. I was going to say that is the part that I thought looked kind of cool. It's, I mean. It's a little different than something we've seen before, I feel. It is, but there's just something about the design in which I immediately thought, okay, now I know why they're dumping it on Amazon Prime. Oh, but, yeah. And we'll get to it when we talk about Mark Wahlberg's Infinite. But you wow. you dump this kind of stuff on streaming because it, it was just going to bomb. I just can't imagine this doing it. Maybe, maybe others think this looks good. This looks awful. I was looking at Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt a lot in Jurassic World. The, he's got that franchise in Guardians. He's obviously good in Guardians, and those mm -hmm. are fun movies. I like those. Outside of those two franchises, I mean, he hasn't done a lot of good stuff. You're right. Magnificent Seven, Passengers, um, Lego Movie 2. I guess you could say Lego Movie's good. I never saw the second one. Um, Onward, I liked. But his good stuff is mainly constricted to two franchises and one you could argue is actually really bad in his dress. It's the Jurassic World, those new ones. Yeah. It's... You know that you say that, it's interesting because I never thought of it that way, but I know Passengers, that was a, I'm, I'm torn on that, but it's also just like really creepy, his character. With The Magnificent <laughs> Seven, I actually kind of like that movie. There was, there was something- it, Yeah, it's not terrible. Yeah, and it was on TV the other day. And I remember when it first came out, my, uh, it, at the time- now my ex, she was. She Ooh. knew I was a big Denzel fan. Love Denzel. I love Fuqua. And then the fact that you have all of these characters and then westerns. I'm. I also like westerns if it's done right. And I actually was really digging this movie or excited for it. Went to see it on like my birthday weekend. And she took me to see it, and I I had a lot of fun with it. I wouldn't say that it was great. But it was just something about it. It was, it was just a fun movie, even though it ended up getting semi-dark. But I think it was more along the lines of who was in it. But Chris Pratt, I think he was decent in that. I, I enjoyed him. But that came in between the two Guardians movies. And it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of Pratt's movies, especially now, I wonder if we're looking back and questioning the not only the success of those movies, but whether or not they're good. And or maybe it's just the fact that this movie's coming out and we're wondering what happened with this movie. Cause it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, the the premise of this is that they're being plucked from the past to go fight in a war in the future. Wouldn't they just try to prevent this from happening? Try to stop it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm what? Say, Pratt is in good material, but a lot of his good stuff, he is part of an ensemble like Moneyball or 10 oh. Years, Zero Dark Thirty. Those are movies that I think are good before sure. he blew up as this action star. Um, but yeah, this look, this looks really bad. And apparently whoever did this, who, who, who freaking did this film? Uh, Chris McKay, mm -hmm. he's talked about how he's he's like channeling 90s action. Mm. Like that that was like their goal, which is, I mean, I guess if you pull it off, you pull it off, but this just looks... It looks poo-poo. But I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I will definitely watch it. There's no doubt about it, but it's not looking so great. So it gets two hates from both of us. The final Loves Hates is yet another new trailer for Jean-Claude Jean -Claude Van Damme's next... Oh my gosh, I can't even speak. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme's Netflix action comedy, The Last Mercenary. Loves, hates on this. This is tough because you know how much I love Van Damme. Yeah. I told you after watching this preview, I wish... It, it, it is a comedy action film from the preview. Uh, I wish it was a little toned back and more straightforward action so I'm going to say a, a light hates. Mm. 
And, and then again, it's on Netflix. I mean, their track record is just awful. It's hard for me to get excited about any Netflix movie at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, are we to the point where it's not only Netflix, but when we have a movie that comes out on streaming, we're expecting it to be mediocre at best. Are we kind of there? It seems like I feel it. like I feel like I hit that point a while back, especially now that movies are back in theaters, mm-hmm. and and obviously those can come out and still be absolutely terrible. But more often than not, I feel like the expectations I have for these streaming films is just getting lower and lower, <laughs> and they do a lot of these, even when they're done by big names and talented people that I like, they don't feel cinematic. Yeah. And then this is, we're not, I'm not even talking about the last mercenary, but even something like the tomorrow war, like that doesn't look like uh, a traditional blockbuster that I would see in theaters. It looks like something you would make for streaming. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know if it is a mental thing of knowing it's coming straight to prime and it in my head, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't going to be well-made, but then you other stuff that was uh, Amazon films like sound of metal. I think that's top tier filmmaking. So maybe it is like these more big budget films that for some reason, the expectations I have are just sinking every single week. I I mean, if tomorrow war was coming out in theaters, I would still think it looks absolutely terrible. True. Yeah. But I wonder with a lot of this and these studios, are they, are they dumping it? just because they want to get rid of it and streaming is a safe bet or are they, it's, I'm curious. I really want to know the minds now or or get inside the mind of those who are behind some of these decisions because the, even though the tomorrow war looks poo poo, the last mercenary looks very uh, more bad than good. I will go barely on the side of loves just because it's Van Damme. And I, weirdly enough, after, and I've been replaying that conversation we had on one of our episodes where we gush about Van Damme and you talked about Bloodsport. And I came across that movie, did not watch it, did not did not watch it, but I was thinking about this and then this trailer comes out and I've been craving some new Van Damme. So I'm in for this. I will once again be watching this. Just like you're saying, even though it may look bad, I'll be there for it. Maybe we're the suckers because we're like, this stinks. But we're <laughs> it looks watch terrible, it. but but we're we're we know we're gonna watch it. Like <laughs> I know I'm gonna watch this movie and probably like it. I would also like to say he looks great. Yeah. For a 60-year-old man. I mean, granted, that's honestly not that old if you take care of your body in your health. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks good. I mean, he looks fit at 60. So more power to him. I wish this looked, a, I wish it looked a little more serious because he, yeah, he can be so good, which is frustrating that he does a lot of really bad stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, in recent years. And there's with, especially with Netflix, we, I feel like there's such they have such a mixed bag that it's hard to determine whether or not we end up getting a good movie or a bad movie because even some of their movies that look good, they just end up being mediocre. But I mean, the one issue is they they get off on shoving content down your throat every single day. Just because you have a new movie every week does not mean it's good. Mm-hmm. So if you only did like four big films a year, I would respect that a little bit more. Sure, yeah. But they got they got to get money. I understand they need subscribers. Uh, I think going back to dumping something like Tomorrow War on Prime, one, I think you know you're probably not going to make money during the pandemic, especially if it's not good. That movie would make probably a decent amount, but probably enough, not enough to recoup whatever it costs to make. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have somebody like Chris Pratt, and maybe the idea is we can bring in subscribers. Though if you're subscribing to Prime, you're doing it, at least I am, because of the two-day shipping. I'm not doing it because I want their content. So Prime's weird. Prime's its own, like, I don't even think of that as a service mm-hmm. half the time. I It's hard for me to see it as that either, even though they are investing so much in content from Lord of the Rings. I, I don't understand how. I, of yeah. course, that company makes an absolute obscene amount of money, but how much they're spending on some of this stuff, I'm like, how do you 
how do you justify spending that for a Lord of the Rings show? <laughs> but they yeah. have to, there has to be something we just can't like understand how they make money with streaming. It will we'll, like never know until, unless we work there or something. Yeah. Even then, I wonder if it's just everyone's kept in the dark and like, hopefully I got a job tomorrow. They're just because, like, yeah, don't worry about why we're spending a billion dollars to make Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like, we have the money for it. Just don't worry about it until so, you get fired. Yeah. Because we it's, can't afford you anymore. It's so mind-blowing. I just, uh, and and all of these companies continue to sink insane, amount of, uh, insane amounts of money. And with, especially Netflix, we'll just keep seeing more of these. And if... 2021, we get one movie a week. I'm sure in 2022, we're going to get one movie a day That's coming. <laughs> one trashy movie every single day. Congratulations. <laughs> That's what we have to look forward to next year. All right, let's move on to things to look forward to as well. And talking about some trash, we are going to start up the <laughs> Loves Hates movie section with Infinite. Oof. So Infinite is kind of, Drew, as you said, it's like a 90s throwback film, uh, it, right? That's what that's how Mark Wahlberg or Antoine Fuqua described this movie? Uh, no, that was Tomorrow War. I thought, I mean, for me personally, this felt like something as a segue from Van Damme's new film to this. This is something he would have done in like 1994. True, yeah. A bad, fairly big budget film that is just complete poppycock. <laughs> and it's so bad that <laughs> I finished this movie. Um, you said you made it about 30 minutes and, and you had to stop. And you yeah. probably won't continue. Uh, you know, I, that's I was that was me talking a big game at first whenever I text you. And I said, I just, I stopped it. I will probably... I will probably finish it, but oh my gosh, it just feels like freaking torture. I kept hearing how bad it was. And it's just the fact of, it's kind of like what you said, you, you described it as mind numbing or mindless. That was it, mindless. Yeah. Like it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's, it's fairly competently made, but it is just so unengaging. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a, a hodgepodge of like 10 movies pieced together as one. And it's like, yeah, the elements of those films that we've seen a thousand times, uh, it feels dated. The acting's not great. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, I guess, goes for it, but holy smokes. I'm like, what were you, how did you get roped into this, man? Because you <laughs> yeah. were a good actor. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible film. It's not so, it's weird though, because it's not so bad that I'm like, you have to see this movie to see how bad it is. Like, it's, it's not that offensive, so that ruins some of the fun. And that's the other thing, like you said, it just seems so generic that at the point of starting it and getting in, it was less about it being terribly made rather than it just being terrible. Because in the grand scheme of things, if we were to see this, and especially if I paid money to go, well, <laughs> rather, if I use my regal pass to see this. But if I were sitting in the theater, shoving my face full of buttery popcorn, maybe I'd be somewhat okay. But if I paid money to go see this on a Friday, Saturday night, I'd be so livid. And, and you, just, you paid for the ticket, and you bought food, and yeah. you bought your girlfriend's ticket. Yeah. You'd be pissed off that you spent money to watch this. <laughs> Though I think if you saw this with a group of people, like I could be giving, I can imagine sitting down in a, in a full theater and just glancing at whoever I was with, just be like, can you believe what we're watching? And in, in that regard, it might boost the entertainment value a little bit. That's actually a really good point. I never I mean, thought of it really, that way. I sat alone and watched this and I just felt, it's just something you just watch and then there's no, like it didn't feel invested in any way. All the act, there's no like yeah. interesting action pieces. Like mm -hmm. even the finale, I'm like, God, this is as good as it gets. And it's weird. Fuqua has done some hit or miss stuff. Speaking of Magnificent, Magnificent Seven, mm -hmm. if I can speak, <laughs> uh, this is his worst thing. I think yeah. by a landslide, hopefully he got paid well. I mean, seriously, if you, if this is like your first movie, I don't know if you're making films again. 
it's truly stupid. Well, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up about the first time director or anyone involved because my thought while watching this in the first 30 minutes before turning it off is do you think this is going to affect the careers of anyone involved with this? This this movie came out of nowhere for I guess this was supposed to come out last August and was delayed cuz the pandemic. Yeah. Um I had never heard of this until like three weeks ago and it came out the following week. Yeah. So I think that kind of tells you everything. They, they didn't believe in it. They mm-hmm. dumped it. Uh, it's a smart move. Paramount Plus is, I think, kind of a disaster of, of a subscription <laughs> service at this point. If this gets anybody to subscribe, I, I honestly feel sorry for it. Because, <laughs> like you need to save your money. This is not worth it. You wait till they have better content because this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's all right. So that's another way of describing this. Instead of buying a movie ticket, if I were to subscribe to Paramount Plus for this movie, I'd be so livid. I would I would write off Paramount Plus say, nope, you I'm done. You fooled me once. I'm not going to come back. But I I weirdly started turning against that service and I liked it a lot, but they still don't have a watch list. Yeah. The first day I tried watching this movie three minutes Within the first three minutes, it stopped twice to buffer for around 35 seconds. Mm. And I was like, this is not like I already know two minutes into this movie that's going to be awful. And um, so I stopped it. I was like, I'm not even going to waste my time. Every other thing I tried that night worked. So it was something wrong with their service. Um, but they need to get their crap together. Now, now with having, especially Quiet Place 2, we've got about 30 days left before it goes from the theaters and drops right onto Paramount Plus because they've got that 45-day window where a new Paramount movie comes out in theaters and then it comes out on the streaming service. Would that be enough to convince you when we get more movies, say we get more quality movies that are similar, not necessarily horror films like Quiet Place 2, but quality movies over Infinite that will come out to stream and say you like them, you want to watch it again. Would that be enough to convince you to stay with or get Paramount Plus. So when they drop it on Paramount Plus, is it coming out on like Blu-ray the same time? Or is that pushed back a little little bit too? I'm guessing physical media is going to be pushed back. Or not only with physical media, but if you have any other option for it to stream elsewhere, I guess I'm assuming there's a window of time that it is restricted so that they try to persuade people to get Paramount Plus. So maybe it goes to like a three-month window where it's on Paramount Plus, maybe longer, and that way they have it locked up, and then they'll release it on Blu-ray or release it on... I I don't think it'll go to any other streaming service, but it will probably then be released on Blu-ray and DVD. I would say this movie is infinitely frustrating just because it's kind of a cool premise and those involved like i enjoy uh Wahlberg and especially fuqua and i think that he's got some th- there are certain projects especially like the equalizers weirdly enough over the last like i don't know two years or so especially with the john wick movies and then nobody i just look back on the the equalizer and like yeah those are okay, but it it was kind of going down, I feel like, and just the, I think there was more style over substance in, in those movies. I, I still would give those like maybe a CB grade, but this, man, this is just, it makes me just kind of upset. <laughs> so Foucault's next movie, it's called The Guilty. It comes out on Netflix. Oh my God. Uh, sometime this year, but... This has Jake Gyllenhaal, Ethan Hawke, Peter Sarsgaard, Riley oh. Keough, Paul Dano, and it was written by Nick Pizzolatto, who is oh. true to fame. So that sounds... Do- I don't even know what this is about, but it sounds dope. Yeah. With that cast. So I think Fuqua's going to be okay. I guess him and Wahlberg were just like completely blindsided and pissed off about Infinite going to uh, Paramount Plus, but holy smokes, that was the best thing that could have ever happened. <laughs> no kidding. Especially that they had no marketing for this movie. They dropped the trailer and say, hey, it's, it's basically Paramount Plus. It's like, it's coming out in one week from today. And then, like you said, it will be forgotten down the road, but it's better just I mean, to if forget you, this. 
if you went downtown and stopped 10 people and said, have you heard of the new Mark Wahlberg film? <laughs> they would not know that it's freaking infinite. Like no one's going to remember this movie and that's for the best. Yeah, no, they would say, oh, there's a new Transformers coming out. But yeah, this, this is, this is worse than that. And, and those last, that last film, whichever one that was the last night or whatever, gosh, that was, this is worse than that. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, this makes those movies look like a Scorsese movie. <laughs> Not even Big Dick Toby Jones can save this film. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of a saving grace whenever TJN pops up, but oh. <laughs> no, it was not. Still. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot how much I missed uh, seeing some new TJ. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, that was the... Um, what was that movie? It was oh the one my with gosh. Uh, Charlize Theron that yeah. had Toby Jones, and we just joked about how he had a big wang <laughs> for whatever reason. All right, next movie. Uh, John Krasinski's A Quiet Place 2. In theaters only, May 28th. Hashtag... Movies are back. I want to tell you, I don't know if this was everywhere, but we sit down to watch this film. The pre, it's 20, 25 minutes of previews at Regal, which is just, you want to blow your brains out. <laughs> yeah. We finally get through that, and it get, you know it goes completely dark, and then John Krasinski pops up, and he literally thanks you <laughs> yeah. for going to the theater. Did you get that? Yep, we did. I was like, oh, no problem. Glad, I'm glad to be on. I'm honestly, and as much as I complained about people complaining that movies weren't going directly to theaters. I, I missed it. I honestly did. That's what mm -hmm. I realized in this last year. So uh, you're welcome, John Krasinski. <laughs> um, so yeah, did not like the first one necessarily. I told you that a couple weeks ago. I had no intentions of seeing this. And then I randomly saw a new trailer and I was like, that looks dope. This actually looks good. <laughs> so believe it or not, I purchased A Quiet Place on 4K. <sighs> Watched it with my wife. I liked it a little better. I still don't understand a lot of the hype for that film, but it's it's well made. And I gotta I gotta be honest with you, Quiet Place Two loves it. I think I think is a lot better than the first one. Oh, interesting. Like a lot better. Okay. Well, this is where I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that because of your interest. Because I have to go loves with this movie, but. I did not think it was as good as the first one. After thinking about it, because I, I'm like, all right, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the what Krasinski did here, because it's very much so. The first one is based on adulthood, teaching your kids how to grow up and survive, and then in the second one they do, and then they're the ones who switch the roles in terms of basically trying to take care of the parents in terms of leading the generation, blah, blah, blah. So it felt very much so like a Twilight Zone way of, of, of writing and telling the story. Um, there were two things that kind of bugged me about it, though. Mm. And especially with you finishing the first one before seeing this, it's, and by the way, I have to say, this is a great, as Krasinski said, it's a great shotgun-style double feature. You end up having a... Uh, you watch the first and second back to back. Great, great time, I would say. Like, do that on a, and I could see myself doing that this upcoming, like, Halloween or around that uh, fall time period. But piece together, this is one big film. Somebody yeah, do yeah. that, you know, get rid of the credits or whatever you got to do. Actually, there's, you don't even need to because it, there are no credits. It just goes right into it. Now, there's a problem, though. With the end of the first one, we end. After the shooting and killing of the first creature, we see the other creatures running toward the house. And then she cocks her gun, Emily Blunt cocks her gun, the shotgun, that's it. End of movie. Roll credits. This movie begins with, and I love the opening scene. I love that on day one. That's great. Fantastic. But when, when we jump back to the house, I felt like it was a missed opportunity not to have Emily Blunt blast the other two creatures away that are running toward the house and that they could start with that. But that was an error that they made. And I can forgive that. But it kind of it just bugged me because I, I kept having that in the back of my mind. I'm like, OK, there's not they did kill this one creature, but there are more that were on the way. 
after at the end of that. So I liked, I really liked the ending of Quiet Place One because of how it ends more ambiguous. I mean, we get kind of an ending, closure in a sense, but it's I, I liked it. I just dug that ending. The second one, I was hoping that it would be more of a a, a cut and dry. Yes, we we do basically we're led to believe that all right now they're able to broadcast this frequency and it's able to go out across um whomever's able to hear this and hopefully they'll be able to expand that frequency um not just in this area but uh they'll be able to weaponize that but it would have been cool if the movie was expanded just give me like five more minutes this is a very rare case of me saying it the i wish the movie had just like maybe a little little extra there at the end maybe five five more minutes or so and that was it um i felt like at the very end it just it was missing a little bit uh, but weirdly enough this movie had me thinking long after i went to it about some of the the symbolism some of the shots i think krasinski does a, a killer job on uh being behind the camera and the performances are all great I think Killian Murphy is a great addition to this. I feel like he brought God, something that I've never so seen good. before. Yeah, that he, yeah, Krasinski did well. Uh, I like the the tension building. We have three numerous times we have three events unfolding simultaneously, mm-hmm. and we're getting them bit by bit. I like he does that a few times, and it's it's really well done. I like the world building and the filling in the pieces, and I don't know where you go from here because. The way they set this up, I thought it was ending with them on their way to the island. Maybe you get to the island and in your your ending is we realize there's something there. Like one of these monsters has, you know, shown up to. Mm. They obviously expand that a little more. So I don't know where you go with this other than you have to reunite everyone together. Well, now... Uh, with this, though, with Quiet Place 3, apparently it's supposed to be a spinoff that Krasinski would like there to be brand new characters. Um, and then we've got Jeff Nichols of Mud, and oh, I'm waiting on Antlers to come out because that was supposed to come out and then the pandemic hit. But, but that's Scott Cooper. Oh, shoot. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but with, with uh, Quiet Place 3... Um, I don't know if we will see this family again based on but, what Chris. But Nichols, Nichols thing is a spinoff. They right. said they said that won't be part three. That's like its own thing. So Krasinski, oh. I would imagine, is doing you know filling out this trilogy, and then they're just going to continue cranking these out because they make good money. Okay. Well, if that's so, the I case, think Nichols thing should be it's its own separate thing. Okay. Because I, I was reading that reading into it is that that was going to be part three or the what what comes next. So that's all right. So if that's the case, then all right, I, I'm I'm okay. Like the endings, like doesn't make me as mad. But I'm curious now, though, to hear what do you think makes this better? In addition to the world building and Killian Murphy, what makes it better than the first one? And I know this is going to sound stupid because the whole premise is built around not speaking. But I like that we're able to speak a little bit more in this. Yeah. Honestly, the we, we have the uh, Reagan, the deaf daughter, Millicent mm-hmm. Simmons. She's fantastic. She's and good. I love that we have a basically our main character is deaf. It's something you don't see a lot in film or TV. And she's our main character and we're seeing and hearing or not hearing um, what the events that unfold through this character. I just think that's fantastic. I love that. Um, and I, I like the building of this world. I didn't think I would. I thought it would be a cash, you know, we're, we're doing a cash grab because the first one did so well. But I think they're actually pretty smart with how they've done this. And this is like a 95-minute film. Breezy. How, how often do we get these summer, quote-unquote, blockbusters that are 90 minutes long? Mm-hmm. It's lean, mm-hmm. it's mean. I, I want more of it. I think Krasinski's really talented. One big issue I have with this whole story is these blind aliens use their hearing as their advantage. Anytime they're chasing after anything, they're knocking over everything around them. It's like, what do you, would it be better if these things were smart enough to creep around like huh. stealthy? These things are not anything like that. Yeah. I, I found it interesting because, uh, 
Krasinski ended up having an interview with a uh, uh, recently, and he mentioned Guy Ritchie's movie Rock and Roller that he's a fan of it, and that he said that he enjoyed the story that was told in that, in which there's the American uh, crayfish that was dropped in the Thames in London, and it became the dominant uh, force that it rose up to the top of the food chain. And the idea was he took that same story in a sense that this is some alien force dropped in by accident on Earth that as we see at the beginning of the movie, which I that was awesome to see kind of the origins, but we are left to piece together the rest of it ourselves. you know? Uh, that was cool to give a little bit more of that ambiguity, keep it, keep it there to a degree. But um, the fact that these creatures, even though they are dumb... They are <laughs> just kind of slicing their way through, which makes me wonder, it's more like a parasite and they're just taking over, um, but are they paving the way for, you know, something else? Are well, they, that makes sense. That are they're, they scouts? It's basically stranger in a strange land. They're just yeah. thrown into this. So they're not stupid. Um, it's just not how they operate. And that, that I, I think is really cool. And it's also kind of a different... The other thing is like what Krasinski said, he's, you know, we've seen so many stories of where aliens come with a motive or they've, you know, they're, they're coming to earth and they're wanting to take over because there's some agenda. And in this case, there's not, they're just, they're there and kind of by whether it's accident by, you know, something else that flung them off course or, or um, somehow they intersected Earth on the way somewhere else. Nonetheless, they just happen to be here. And that I found to be be pretty fascinating. Um, I did like the world building, especially building upon the building blocks that were set up in part one. I think especially seeing, and here's the other tidbit that Krasinski shared, and I, I, I really like this, is that his nugget of an idea came from who's in or who who's uh, behind another party who's lighting those fires off in the distance and letting Krasinski and his family know that they're okay, that they're still out there. So his idea for a sequel is like, who's behind lighting those fires? What are their stories? Who's el- you know, who else is out there doing that? And, would there be some connection that they have to this family? And everything about that opening, I think, was just such a, a great way to start the movie. And it's it's short to the point. And I kept waiting for something to happen immediately in the beginning. But the more I think about it, the better it is. And one, one element that I know we both really liked is that small town feeling about... Love it. Yeah. Now, here's also a fun Easter egg. I did not notice it until watching the Vanity Fair uh, notes on a scene. Krasinski said he always wanted to direct the movie Jaws, or at least his own version of Jaws. In the background, there's a sign that says Brody's, and that was his ode to Jaws. I I told you this um, before seeing the film, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but don't look at the cast listing, because there's a, a cameo that if you know actors... Uh, you'll recognize this person. It's not, I wouldn't say a huge name, but you know, as somebody that enjoys TV and film, I saw this person. I was like, wow, I had no idea he was in this film. He doesn't <laughs> even speak. Did you, did you notice the, the, the quote unquote big cameo that I was telling you about? Yeah. But not until later, whenever I was thinking about him, like, holy smokes, it was freaking Aquaman version. Scoot freaking McNary. Scoot McNary as Marina Man <laughs> doesn't. I don't think. I'm pretty confident. Does not speak at all. But yeah, I, he super yells. creepy. He lasts around. I don't know. Three minutes. <laughs> uh, he's got to be friends with Krasinski or something. But I thought that was a fun cameo. One one other issue I have with this film, and I don't understand it. Jaiman Hanzu mm-hmm. is in this film late in the movie, and he gets spoiler alert, guys. He gets freaking wiped out <laughs> about <the laughs> yeah. introduction. We're, and again, 
that's not necessarily a huge actor. It's not like having Matt Damon in Interstellar, but he's a well-known actor. People recognize him. How did he get roped into this? And that's, that feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I was also thinking the same thing. And I was waiting for there possibly uh, to be kind of Easter eggs or breadcrumbs leading us to think maybe this will be part three. And then, no, he's gone. Well, <laughs> maybe this, maybe your your spinoff is on him and him getting to the island or something. Like maybe uh, that's okay. how you do it. You're You're establishing who this is and then we go back. But I don't know. I feel like John Krasinski, who is only in the open because mm-hmm. they we go back to day one. He's in this more than Jaiman Hansu, who is, mm-hmm. I would say, a supporting character. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, frustrating all at the same time. Now, one movie, I will say, I did kind of a, uh, a back-to-back of these. Um, and then I saw before, I got my fix of popcorn. I was chowing down like a madman while watching In the Heights, which came out on June 11th, not only in theaters, but also on HBO Max. This movie um, is, I will say, a, I don't know, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this movie. Right now, it has kind of disappointed, it's done more than disappointing numbers at the box office, but it comes from the creator of Hamilton and then the director of Crazy Rich Asians. It's technically, I would say, the second biggest musical of the year, uh, just behind West Side Story that's coming out at the end of this year from Steven Spielberg. What do you think, Drew, about In the Heights? Loves or hates it? Overall, I liked it, so I'll say loves. This is a movie that I will never see again. Clock's in at about two and a half hours, too long, one issue I have with this film, it was mostly enjoyable, but not all the music worked for me. Mm. I didn't walk away necessarily humming any of these songs to myself. I don't have any real desire to go get the soundtrack and learn the lyrics. Well made. Thought it was well made. Thought the cast did really well. Um, but not something that I'm ever going to need to watch again. Mm-hmm. And you bring up the box office. Made around $11 million opening weekend. Not surprised. This was kind of hyped as the next big theatrical experience in terms of bringing audiences. They're going to they're eat this up. It's going to make a lot of money. I'm not surprised it didn't make a lot of money. I don't think this appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. Musicals tend to not do that well, um, box office-wise. Not that they can't. I just think more often than not, they're not going to do super well. Otherwise, we would have these five times a year. If they, they, mm-hmm. they made that much money, you'd be making these all the time. They just don't do it because people don't want to see it. Yeah. And so I'm not surprised at all by the box office. I don't think it means anything. It doesn't mean the movie's not good. It just means people aren't interested. So the box office narrative is kind of annoying at this point. I would agree with that. I I actually really enjoyed the first probably two-thirds. And then along the way, it was right before the blackout. I started to dip off an interest like i it, i was starting to fade and i will say i loves this movie there are times that i was really invested really in it and i was really digging it but it was just something about especially with the i don't know if it was the runtime two and a half hours and thinking back on it um it makes sense for the structure and everything that happened and I really did enjoy the flow and, and the the actors, performers. Um, I enjoyed the songs overall. Uh, there were some that I was, you know, I felt like uh, <laughs> dancing, even though I was in the theater. Uh, I was literally uh, gorging myself on a freaking buttery popcorn bucket. <laughs> and it felt I great. I didn't know you saw this in theaters. I got to be honest. I did. I did that uh, just because of... Um, it was, like I said, it was kind of a back-to-back, but I knew I'd be able to eat during this. I didn't know if Quiet Place 2 I'd be able to eat. Um, so I, I wanted to be quiet. So I had to get my kicks with freaking popcorn on this. They, I mean, Quiet Place 2, they should ban food of any kind. Yeah. Just, no food allowed. Um, 
this was a fun movie, especially for popcorn and like getting into it. It did feel semi theatrical, uh, like big, you know, and kind of bold. You know, I, I dug it, and there were times that I really liked it. Um, but yeah, I think this may be a one and done for me too. Um, it's kind of weird but- saying that because after seeing the movie, I haven't thought a whole lot about it. Whereas, like, yeah, Quiet Place I 2. Either. Yeah. It's like Quiet Place 2. I've returned to moments or various just like reasons behind why it happened, certain things in the movie. He, in this movie, I'd say, like, cool. I loved it. But then after it's over, it was kind of like put it on the shelf. And for, for myself, um, I just, yeah, I don't know if uh, I will return to this anytime soon. Talking about a, uh, the final film that we're going to bring up. Uh, and it's not a one and done, but rather the third in this series, or at least the, the base. Uh, let's, hope, is, let's hope this is a third and done. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Once again, coming out same day and date release on HBO Max and in theaters, released June 4th. And this once again reunites the excellent actor and actress Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. I had no idea that the title, The Devil Made Me Do It, is actually the name of the case until after, basically after watching this movie and then during the credits, you see or you hear, I should say, uh, you hear parts and, and clips of the actual recordings leading up to the case and then during uh, uh, the case itself of The Devil Made Me Do It about this story based on a murder and the fact that uh, a man was possessed and he ended up killing because he he was claiming he was possessed. Uh, Fascinating story. Before this came out, Drew, I remember you said that it was being kind of described as the seven of the franchise, like that Fincher uh, film seven. Uh, So I've been really curious to know more. What do you think loves or hates the conjuring three? I mean, like in the Heights, I don't have a lot to say about this. I didn't like it. (laughs) The best thing I could say about this movie is for about a week, I kept doing just random stuff throughout the house. And I just kept telling my wife, the devil made me do it. Oh, (laughs) because this movie is not great. Uh, I think the first one's really good. The second one's okay, but like any sequel, they have to amplify everything by a thousand. And that yeah. one's like two and a half hours long too. I'm like, why is this so long? This one, they're basically at this point, Ghostbusters. I'm like, good <laughs> grief. The case itself is interesting, but the movie does not make me want to do any research into what really happened. Um, <laughs> the whole thing felt tired to me. I do like that they take a chance, and this is definitely different than the first two, but ultimately, I just don't care. I don't care. Stop. I think we need to stop making these movies, is what I learned. Yeah, you know, I am on board with just being done with the franchise, ending it. Um, I will say, though, I'm going to have to go with loves on this. Good Lord. I I actually really like it. It's not a bad movie. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just not... Well, know. something is not right. As a horror film, as a horror film, it's not, it feels more as a thriller than a horror film. Um, I, I mean, it's I, not scary. I'll tell it, you that. Yeah, exactly. I, I was not scared. There was never a moment uh, that made me feel like uneasy. Um, I thought more than anything else, this was a story that I was, really curious about the the actual uh case that was you know that's titled the devil made me do a case um i will say i think not having james wan behind the camera shows big time since the first two were his babies i i honestly now this may be asinine i feel like this may be my favorite of the three conjuring movies Oh my gosh. But I don't think it's the best. I think the best is Conjuring 1, as in like quality. I think first Conjuring, the best. Um, And then the second one 
is barely above this one in quality just because of Juan being behind the camera. Um, and then this one is the third, but I, I still, there's something interesting about this. And like you said, they really go for something totally different. And I liked it. Uh, the second one just seemed too bloated, too too much yeah. like we've seen it before. I don't think any of these are necessarily bad, but this is definitely the worst and the least engaging for me. I was just, it got to a point where I was like, how much longer do I have? Like, th- I'm just not interested anymore. Now, this this is yet again another case of this did better than In the Heights, but this is a movie that I, I was okay seeing at home. Like being able to sit at home, turn out all the lights and just like occasionally freak out someone, anyone who's in the room with you by just, just whispering and then freaking them out, saying anything wacky. <laughs> Let me ask this though. Where does this fall in terms of all of the spinoffs as well? Like the nun Annabelle, those, those three films, which is crazy. I think we've had three Annabelle films. The, the case, the case of La Llorona or whatever, that was the same director did that one in this. <laughs> the devil made me do it. That movie's atrocious. You, yeah, it's I, one of the worst films I've ever seen. Uh, and then, so this is this is like bottom tier. Yeah. Let's talk about the last thing. Last thing that we uh, watched or saw, Drew. What did you? What's your last thing? I have been diving back into the world of Dexter because. We have season nine, AKA the Dexter revival coming later this fall. And I have been rewatching the series. I'm on season two right now. The series finale is maybe the worst that I've ever seen (laughs) of any show. It's so bad. So I'm so excited that they're coming back to rectify what they did wrong, hopefully. And uh, so I'm just, you know, just binging this, the show while I can uh, and hope it doesn't leave Amazon prime before I can finish it. Did you watch Dexter? No, and I want to get yeah, into it. You should. It's it's almost insane how badly it ends, but um, you know, hindsight, they realize they could have done better and now they're they're gonna do it. So I'm I'm all I I don't know if I've been this stoked for a show. Speaking of something that's upcoming, I too have been going through watching something for the very first time, preparing for the ninth installment of Fast and Furious by going through and watching all the Fast and Furious movies. I have one to go. I'm watching it this upcoming Friday night. Uh, the Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. I have to say, the last one I saw was Furious 7. And as I text you, as soon as it was over, I text you. And I'm like, this is my one-sentence synopsis. It's a fun house on wheels. It's so freaking insane. The fact that you have The Rock flexing out of a cast after saying the line, (laughs) (laughs) after looking at his daughter in the movie saying, daddy's got to go to work. He freaking breaks open the cast by flexing his arm and just it's it's so it's so nuts. Vin Diesel, it's so from, good. He, it's, there's so many moments that have me. I was laughing and smiling throughout the entire thing. But what's nuts? This is my favorite movie, of the franchise so far. No, I don't think that's nuts because I, I I told you I looked at my rankings on Letterboxd, and Fury Seven is number one. That one's so good that I think Fast Five, Six, and Seven are are just top tier and i really like tokyo drift too the problem is you're mm-hmm. gonna go from pure furious seven which i think is the best one you've already you just said that too to it's not the worst one but i think it's the second to worst one it is not good not good and i too fast too furious i think is bad but there is something i don't know i i give it a little leniency because it's the second film and they hadn't really figured out what they wanted to mm-hmm. do but this franchise rules right like i'm telling I, people We'll laugh when I say this, but Furious Sevens, it's it's the final film with Paul Walker. And I get I get emotional with the ending of that film mm-hmm. because especially when you watch these back to back, you become invested in the story and the character. And uh his goodbye is really it's it's kind of dodgy because of the CG, but it's really well done. You know, it's one of those I I, I always discredited it. My brother-in-law is. This is maybe his favorite franchise. I always gave him so much crap for it, and then while watching, I had to say 
especially Furious 7, I felt like I've never felt watching a movie. I was smiling throughout the entire movie. And I'm like, if a movie makes you feel that way, that's done a job that I can't really say any movie has ever done. I And there are so many bonuses with this. You get freaking Kurt Russell showing up for the first time. You get, I mean, there. I could go on and on about so many scenes in this movie that I'm like, I dig it. It's 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 fun. It's just it's so much fun. So uh, I, I'm interested to, to hear if you liked Fate because I'm I, almost tempted to rewatch that and then we just talk about it because I've seen it only once and I really really did not like it and I think Fast Nine looks awful. They're so bombastic and that's fine and it's fun. But we've gotten to a point where it's almost too stupid. And I think the last two films, or at least this last one, because Fast Nine has not come out, it it hurts when you lose a Paul Walker because he somehow like grounds these films as zany as they get. Because mm-hmm. Vin is kind of over the top and everything he says, you kind of <laughs> laugh because you know he thinks he's just reading Shakespeare and it's the dumbest dialogue <laughs> imaginable. But Paul Walker has a way of just making everything on the level. Yeah, And losing him for me... It, it hurts. It hurts the fate of the Furious. And then I think F9 looks really stupid. But yeah. maybe I'll be surprised. I don't know. The idea that Dom has a younger brother <laughs> and it's John Cena. Oh, my gosh. It looks awful. But I'm all in, man. <laughs> I'm all in, baby. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I'm worried about F9 and uh, fate. I'm worried about fate. But I'm still, I'm pedal to the metal, baby. I'm, I'm driving this home. And I am, weirdly enough, really excited. I never thought I'd be excited for this, but I freaking am, and I love it. It'll be a good IMAX film. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We may end up talking more Fast and the Furious. Oh, who am I kidding? We're definitely going to be talking about more Fast and Furious in the near future. I think so. we will. I think I got to go watch that again. <laughs> So join us, film fans, on the next, uh, just join us in general. Uh, We are glad that you join us for this time. And as always, keep watching. (laughs) 